0: You know, sometimes I may be given a presentation somewhere and somebody raise their hand and say, hey, well, you know, we put you in our emergency plan, which is a great thing. But the other half of that is, is maybe we should talk about that.
1: Hi, welcome to Ian Weekly, and this is your host, Todd DeVoe speaking. And this week I'm talking to Joe Hillis, the Operations Director at Information Technology Disaster Resources Center. The ITDRC was founded in 2008 to provide communities with technical resources necessary to continue operations and begin recovery. Before I get into the interview, I need to thank Brian Colburn for pinch hitting for me. Uh, I was down with the flu A1, or as some are calling it, the Daytona Corona. And it looks like a bunch of emergency managers at the Florida disaster preparedness meeting uh, got sick with the flu and it spread craziness over here. And uh, I know, I felt like I got kicked in the head. And uh, pro tip, uh, get your flu shot, don't get the flu because it is not fun at all. Matter of fact, I'm still coughing from it. So anyway, um, <laughs> thanks to Brian for, for pinch hitting. I, I know he didn't say I was in Miami. It wasn't Miami, it was uh, Daytona Beach. Um, yeah, I guess closer to Miami than, than we are out here in California. But uh, uh, it, was a, it was a great time. I got to meet some really great people uh, and and I got the flu. So uh, that's what it is. Um, Speaking of Corona, uh, lots of stuff in the news and I highly recommend that you go to Alerts USA, sign up for it. I'm using it every day. Uh, It's an amazing tool. It's telling me everything that's going on about the coronavirus Um, and with the uh, discount code with Weekly. Uh, You get a discount uh, on it as well. They are not sponsors. uh, They are not paid advertisers. I just wanted to uh, to share that discount with the Ian Weekly listeners. And well, I I just you know information is very important. So uh, yeah, please uh, please check them out and 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 use that discount and and enjoy it. Anyway, now on to the interview. Joe, welcome to Ian Weekly.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
1: So I was really excited to see the Information Technology Disaster Resource Center article come up on uh, on LinkedIn uh, talking about some of the stuff you guys have been doing, but specifically uh, with your response to Puerto Rico after the earthquakes. How's everybody doing down there?
0: Uh, Everybody's well. Uh, Operations are going uh, pretty smoothly. And and, um, um, yeah, I mean, aside from the usual hurry up and wait here and there, Operation is going super, super well. Actually, a little bit better than I expected it would
1: go. Oh, it's good. (laughs) It's it's always good when it goes better than you want than than worse than you want, right? (laughs) Right. I I was looking at you know some of the stuff you've been doing, and I've been following you guys you know from afar, I guess you know on on LinkedIn and whatnot. And I'm always interested in how technology can really shape what we do in emergency management because. I mean, we have the tools, right? And uh, for those of us that are old enough to remember, it's almost like Steve Austin, right? We can build a better, better emergency manager with all the technology that we have. Great. <laughs> so ta- how did you guys start the Information Technology Disaster Resource Center?
0: Well, it's kind of a post-9-11 um, initiative, or at least the concept was a post-9-11 initiative. Uh, it's something I'd seen you know, in the early 2000s um, this was, it was a concept proposed uh, and included in the Homeland Security Act of 2002, which essentially created a National Emergency Technology Guard. And, and that was, you know, it's supposed to be a Citizen Corps program along with all the other ones that they created uh, back then. Um, and so it really never gained any traction, uh, you know, unlike the CERT teams, which really took off, and the Medical Reserve Corps and uh, you know, some of the other programs from that took off. But this one didn't. And so, uh, you know, I, I thought as at the time, I thought it'd be kind of something neat that I could do, you know, later on and join after retirement. Uh, but it, it really never got any traction. So it really in 2008, just a group of co-founders got together uh, and, and tried to replicate what uh, what that was to be and, and, and at a national level as opposed to a local level. So that's really kind of where we got our start. It was, it was back That was the idea. Uh, we launched it in 2008 you know, really started gaining traction uh, in, you know, 2010.
1: What kind of skill set do you need to be a member of your team? You know, we we um,
0: are predominantly uh, technical skill sets, so, uh, but from all walks of the tech sector. Um, you know, we actually do have, you know, it's a, it's a very large organization. We're a little over 1,700 people right now. So we have the typical administrative pieces, just like any other company would as far as, you know, administration and HR legal um you know logistics um, so we we have those roles in here, but the majority of the folks that we have are you know have a technical skill set we We do quite a bit with the physical layer, so you know we do a lot of connectivity things, whether it's wireless, whether it's you know backhaul or you know compute devices or things like that. Um, and so those are the skill sets that are most comfortable here, not to say we don't have developers, we have you know all different skill sets from you know technical analysts, business analysts. Um, you know, voice, video, um, you know, satellite, all, all those skill sets are all here.
1: How do you guys get your missions?
0: We can be activated in a number of ways. The majority of the times we're activated either through emergency management or through um, uh, another nonprofit partner. We, we have a number of res- response organizations that we you know, run with, whether it's you know, Team Rubicon Crib- or um you know, all hands and hearts or, you know, any of the, the national, you know, response organizations, Red Cross, Salvation Army, uh, they can all activate us as well as, you know, emergency management. So, you know, we have um, a, a pretty good reputation throughout the emergency management you know world. We you know, operated on MOU with FEMA for years. Um, and so, you know, we have a, the, the VOAD as well, the volunteer organizations active in disaster. We're members of National VOAD. And so, a lot of those connections, there, organizations are aware of us, and, and we get activated, you know, by different uh, different organizations, depending on what the event was. So, most current one in Puerto Rico, um, we were activated by uh, Puerto Rico Emergency Management.
1: What kind of jobs are you guys doing down in Puerto Rico?
0: Um, well, mainly, I guess our initial request was for hardware for you know, search hardware for the emergency management for the search and rescue. Um, We sent a bunch of, um, you know, ruggedized uh, compute devices down for that. Um, Our our current stuff right now is really doing the connectivity in some of these, they call them base camps. We would know them as, you know, mass shelters here. Um, The majority of them are outdoor tent style type uh, um, setups. So we're doing, uh, I think we have five of the, Megasites, sites or 1,500 bed sites that we're putting Wi-Fi, television, charging stations and things in, as well as helping some of the other NGOs that are operating there. So uh, World Central Kitchen, we're providing connectivity for them, uh, you know, other orgs. So it's really just supporting the whole, you know, community response and recovery effort down there.
1: So now when most people think about the, um, you know, technology, I suppose for lack of a better term, in, uh, in emergency management, they always go straight to the, ham radio operators uh, but you guys are a little bit more than just uh just communicators you guys have a lot of technology background and, and are able to to set up uh full networks pretty quickly am i wrong on that
0: no you're absolutely right um you know we we have partnerships obviously with a lot of the connectivity um folks the carriers uh the satellite folks you know, we have our own resources as well um we we do have a large cache of radios we've probably got you know upwards of 1000 radios in our caches uh, but we're not a radio group um, you know that's kind of the main thing that people come to radio you know to us for radio wise is you know for surge resources whether they're standing up a you know donations warehouse and they need you know 10 radios for that um, or if they've got assessment teams going out and they need you know, a repeater in an area with a bunch of radios to keep those connected, that's pretty much our thing. Um, the marked differences you know, be- between the ham radio world is that you know, those are licensed uh, radios and licensed operators as opposed to you know, what we have. is Each individual doesn't necessarily have to have a, a license to use our equipment.
1: When, when you guys, you know, get out there and you guys are doing stuff, do you guys train together beforehand or is this the ad hoc group or is it, you know, how, how are you guys organized?
0: So organizationally, I mean, the, we're, we have a west, central, and east of division. And then we follow the 10 FEMA regions underneath that. So there's three or four FEMA regions underneath the division. Um, we do, you know, we do train. In fact, in order to be deployable, um, you know, we've got a core set of, of, training that the members have to go through and that includes you know our own internal 100 course they have to do of course the ICS 100 and the uh, 700 Um, and then there's uh, so we do you know train we do a lot of the I say we a lot we we do you know full field functional exercises um, once or twice a year and we also do you know technical boot camps where it's you know four day where it's all classroom it's all hands on the keyboard working with the equipment that So a number of training opportunities available, but there is a, you know, a minimum standard in order to become deployable. And that includes, you know, what I just mentioned.
1: Now, do you guys work with organizations and cities and other jurisdictions during blue sky days?
0: Um, We do. Yeah, we do. We're, um, you know, we've got our region two up in New York right now. They're doing a service project with the Salvation Army, which is kind of um, an outreach program that they have. So, uh, you know, we've helped them develop some applications. We've sent a bunch of hardware up there to um, you know for them to go out and do some canvassing on the streets. Um, you know we're helping you know a city in the Dallas fort Worth area that was struck by ransomware um, with hardware. So we've you know we've we've got lots of things going on, either service projects or or other things. We you know long-term recovery is is one of our focuses. so um, you know these these long-term recovery sites, or organizations, you know, will stand up and be active for a couple of years, typically after a large disaster. Uh, so we provide them with, you know, hardware and um, you know, websites, telephones, things like that to do their work. Uh, and, and one of the newer things, I guess, over the last couple of years, we've been doing, and certainly around the, the fire recoveries in California, is, is we are doing um, you know, Wi-Fi hotspots at the um, you know, the, at the recovery sites, the recovery camps. So, you know, in a couple of the sites um, from the campfire where they've got, you know, 400, 500 uh, temporary housing units, um, you know, we have, you know, Wi-Fi in common areas there that these kids can come do their homework or people can get online, um, you know, if they don't have, you know, connectivity through their phone or in in their trailer.
1: That's fantastic. How do you guys get your equipment, like your hardware stuff that you guys bring to um, these victims?
0: All uh, you know, everything, most everything is, that we have is donated by industry. Um, you know, some of it's donated directly from the manufacturers. It's brand new stuff. Um, you know, there are a number of uh, organizations around the country that you know they they may run a, a an equipment trade-in type thing. For example, you know they uh, where they'll give somebody you know ten percent off of buying new equipment and they'll ship the older equipment to us. Um, you know, some of the larger hotel chains, for example, when they Take the Wi-Fi or have a Wi-Fi change out at a big hotel or something. They may, you know, put all that stuff on a pallet and then ship it to us. So we have a pretty, you know, steady supply of equipment that comes in, um, you know, in, in all different areas. But for the most part, the you know, majority of the equipment is donated.
1: Um, if somebody wanted to donate equipment to you, how would they go about doing that?
0: Well, we just recommend. Um, you know, they send us an email uh, support at ITDRC.org. Um, that support as uh, email address is actually our ticketing system and so that'll get them into our system you know create a ticket uh, and then it'll you know we route it to the right person figure out if this is something that we need and you know, where do we need it uh, things like that. So generally that's you know what we ask is they reach out to us in advance let us know and then we'll uh, you know try to make arrangements to get that from them.
1: All right, Joe, we're going to take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit more about um, how people can reach out to help you.
0: Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we connect people with the latest technology possible, whether it's mesh networking, augmented reality, or real-time translation, allowing people who need help to find help immediately. Better matters because lives matter.
1: Welcome back from that quick break. And without the, you know, help our sponsor here, we couldn't bring you uh, great content like we're bringing here, and and uh, being able to help uh, uh, you know, spread the word of great organizations like the Information Technology Disaster Resource Center. So, Joe. You know before we left, we were talking about you know how people could donate to equipment to you. Um, how else can can people get involved? I mean, we're talking to all the emergency managers here, you know around the world, and and these guys might be tapping on your shoulder here to come help them out. But how can they help you before you help them?
0: Well, I think the you know the biggest thing we tell people is just kind of spread the word. You know, the more uh, the more that people know about us, the, the easier it is for us. Um, you, you know, the other part is is to reach out to us. I mean we're happy to be part of, you know anybody's response plan. Um, but, you know, sometimes I may be given a presentation somewhere and somebody raises raise their hand and say, Hey, well, you know, we put you in our emergency plan, which is a great thing. But the other half of that is, is maybe we should talk about that because, you know, we want to understand what our role is when they declare an emergency. And we also want them to understand what they expect of us. So, um, you know, sharing the word, I mean, there's always, you know, we're a nonprofit, so we, you know, we're donation driven. You know, there's a lot of opportunities to, you know, to give, you know, whether it's, you know, through smile.amazon.com. So we get, you know, pennies off of, you know, your purchases or things like that. There's just a lot of ways that, you know, you can support financially. But the other part is, is really just, you know, creating that relationship with us. Um, you know, we have, you know, region directors in every region. Um, We have teams, you know, throughout the country. And so it's really just making that relationship with us. If there's somebody that you work with, um, you know, whether it's a vendor that wants to get involved, if you declared a disaster and, um, you know, somebody has a donation that they want to give to your community, whatever that is, you know, we might be a good place for that. Um, You know, we we see that in places where some of the tech companies, you know, want to help a community during a disaster and maybe they can take that donation, maybe they can't. And so if not, they can certainly funnel it through us to get it to those those places. So, um, you know, aside from, you know, volunteering with us, you know, we're a, a volunteer-driven organization. So, you know, those uh, emergency management skill sets are important to us. We we do use an incident management team on our type one operations. So there's certainly a seat, you know, that would probably fit uh, for some of, you know, some of your listeners. Um, you know, we've got a logistics team, you know, we've got caches around the country, we've got equipment, you know, staged throughout the country. And and there are certainly opportunities, you know, to get involved with that as well.
1: How many members do you guys have?
0: Uh, we're a little over 1700. Um, you know, the majority of them here in the continental United States, but, you you know, we do have folks, uh, in Puerto Rico and, um, uh, Alaska and Hawaii.
1: So basically if you become a member of you guys, you're, you're, more than likely gonna get your uh, hands dirty then huh
0: well that's the hope you know I mean we're we're kind of a numbers based organization we have to be because you know most of these folks are you know working a 40 60 hour week they may be going to school um, you know have families at home and it may be difficult for them to unplug for you know a week or two weeks to go deploy somewhere so that's where the numbers come in um, you know and you know, having enough people on the bench to be able to, you know, provide full-time coverage. Because when we go into a community that we're typically there for a minimum of, you know, we, we say two to six weeks, um, you know, it's that, that time has been growing just as these uh, events have becoming, you know, a little bit larger and, and, you know, the communities are getting your, or have, you know, more needs than what we used to see, you know, eight ten 10 years ago. So yeah, that's, um, um, yeah, we could we could definitely use the help.
1: <laughs> What's your biggest challenge?
0: Oh, challenge for us, I think, is really just keeping all the balls in the air um, because we're a volunteer-driven organization. You know, we we kind of play second chair to you know everybody's daily life. So I think most everybody in the organization, um, you know, is working as hard as they can, giving us as many cycles as they can. But for the most part, I mean, you know, our entire leadership team is, um, you know, volunteer driven. So we get things done at about half the speed uh, during the blue sky days. But, you know, we're a a force, um, you know, once we're on deployment.
1: If you could talk to all the emergency managers at one time, what, what would you tell them about your organization?
0: Um, you know, reach out early. I think that's the big thing. You know, let us know what it is that you need. You know, we're not, we don't, uh, our goal is not to be your primary, um, uh, your your primary excuse for doing proper planning, uh, but we're there for, you know, the surge resources, the things. There's no sense in you going out and buying, you know, 20 laptops because you've declared a disaster. I mean, we can have those to you probably tomorrow. You can keep them as long as you need them and, and you give them back to us when you're done. So I think the biggest thing is is, you know, understand what, you know, what capabilities that we can bring to you that'll make your life a whole lot easier. Um, you know, there's no shortage of we we've helped hundreds of communities uh, across the US. So there's no shortage of people out there, emergency managers that we've worked with, which I think would probably, you know, provide you with, you know, their thoughts on on what our strengths are, where we can help you and Things like that, so I, I think that's a big thing: is just you know pick up the phone, let's pick up the connection now, as opposed to in the middle of a
1: disaster. Have you guys responded to all fifty states?
0: Uh, no, we have not. Um, we, we're starting to prepare to. We did our first international as well this this past year in the Bahamas, which um, you know our focus is in the United States, but we just had an overwhelming uh, number of requests uh, from the Bahamas. So, no, I think the majority of our disasters are you know coastal things, so west coast region nine uh because of the fires historically uh, you know region six and region four um because of you know the hurricanes, and then certainly the central u s for the tornadoes so um, you know, we have, we have obviously deployed to Hurricane Sandy. Um, we, we did deploy to the Northeast or have deployed to the Northeast, but there's a, a pretty good swath in the North central part of the United States that we've not deployed to. And, you know, seems to be, um, you know, they don't seem to have quite. The-
1: right. Well, and of course you guys are over in Puerto Rico right now. So, the, uh, yeah, you know, you guys are touching on the right. bases for sure.
0: Yeah, that's it's a lot more comfortable this time than the last time in Puerto Rico.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, except that, you know it's funny because uh, you know we always talk about the, the the earthquakes in you know Washington State and you know California and you know Portland and and uh, or I guess Oregon the whole entire state not just Portland, and, but we never think about the earthquakes over on the on the East Coast or in the you know Puerto Rico you know so they do happen right I mean Haiti if you think about Haiti right. I mean, they're shaking all over the place. Right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Let's talk about Puerto Rico for a couple of seconds here, just since we brought them up. What are some of the challenges with communicating over in Puerto Rico, I mean, or with setting up technology in Puerto Rico? Because I know they lost power for a while. Uh, their cell phone system was down for a while. Uh, you know, a couple other things that were broken. What are what are the challenges that they're facing right now with, with uh, technology-based stuff?
0: Not a lot in Puerto Rico. I think the biggest thing is that's going on in Puerto Rico, you know, for the majority of the cell service communications are back up and going. In fact, I think there's just a handful of cell sites that are still down um, and and largely due to, you know, power or or backhaul uh, issues there. I think the biggest thing, Todd, right now is for Puerto Rico is, is that they are trying to accommodate 8,000 people who are displaced. And so there's a lot of things, you know, setting up shelters, these temporary shelters. I, I I think the last number I heard was forty-three um, you know, shelters in total. And they, you know, I, I think 37 of them are what they consider pop-up shelters. So really it kind of not so much state sponsored type shelters. So I think their big thing is is, you know, when they're having to mobilize people to um you know to football stadiums and things like that or stadiums which is where the majority of the shelters are you know they they have a lack of technical resources for that there's no not necessarily connectivity um you know a normal cell tower you know is sized to serve a certain number of connections but when you put 1500 2000 2500 people in a single stadium you know it takes a little bit more robust you know network to be able to handle that so a lot of their you know, technical issues are, are, are really just around how do we take care, of, how do we do the mass care right now. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean I, I know that there's some wireline stuff that's still down. I know that they have you know a, a power plant that's still offline. Um, the good part about you know this trip to Puerto Rico is is you know at these the sites that we're working at for the majority of them they've already got if they don't, if they're not back on grid power, they've already got large generators in place, so power has not been an issue for us. But to your, you know, point back, you know, during Hurricane Maria, um, you know, power was our biggest issue there. And um, so, you know, connectivity, you know, all the, you, not all, but I mean, the majority of the U.S. carriers, uh, they work just fine down there. They certainly have the ability to open those cell towers up for a single carrier to allow any client, any customer to use that tower. So, you know, they can adjust the technology to respond to that. Uh, but the good part is, is, you know, most of the, most of our partners have a presence down there. And so, you know, for us to get, you know, uh, a MyFi or a hotspot on the Sprint network or, you know, a HughesNet satellite or, you know, even a DISH television, uh, those things are, you know, that's not a, that's not a big challenge in Puerto Rico right now.
1: Would mesh networking work in that situation?
0: Um, it, it can, and it will. I mean, you know, all, it, it's one thing, you know, depends on what you're doing, right? Because uh, everybody wants to go to the Internet, and a mesh network is just going to let you roam locally. At some point, you got to jump on that wire and go to the Internet. Um, and so if it's, you know, if we're trying to do that over a hotspot or trying to do that over a consumer you know, satellite uh, account or something like that, then, you know, we have to really start dialing down, you know, the bandwidth that we allow each client to get on. So, you know, we do in these, you know, larger venues, you know, we don't, we block streaming. Uh, we let you get on Facebook and post your, you know, your, your safe and well type messages, uh, check your email and whatnot. But, you know, we have to throttle the the streaming, you know, the Netflixes and things. Cause you know, I mean, we are you're in a shelter and, and you got nothing to do. And so that's everybody's kind of the go-to is let's watch cat videos. <laughs> so unfortunately there's a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of pain involved with that. But the good part is, is, you know, the carriers are up down there. I mean, they're, they've brought fiber into some of these uh, sites, which is good. And so that, you know, makes for a good wifi experience um, for, you know, for all the survivors in these, in these shelters.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's important right there to, to think about, you know, and kind of going back when you're setting those shelters up of, of doing things for people to to burn their time because, I mean it can get really really damn boring in there you know what I mean exactly um, yeah. exactly and so happened, hence the yeah.
0: hence the television right right
1: right yeah get a nice television some DVDs players that still work or something like that yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I saw an Xbox on one of the networks yesterday so it's like you know great I mean I'm you know hopefully. Some people are getting
1: some, you know, use out of that. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad idea, you know, just to, to have those guys uh, donate all the Xbox and PlayStations to you all so you guys can help set up those uh, entertainment centers, right?
0: Right, right, <laughs> exactly.
1: All right, so we're getting here close to the, uh, to the end. How can people, and I know we talked about the donations, I suppose that would be the same thing, but if they're trying to find you, what's the best way to find you?
0: Website's kind of the key to everything. Itdrc.org. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where our president. We're on, I think, all the social media platforms as well. So, you know, obviously follow us along on, on you know, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. uh, Just kind of you know keep up with what's going on. Um, Those are probably our best ways. You know, retweet us is a good thing. I think you know, engage us on LinkedIn. Uh, You know, there's there's lots of ways to kind of stay in touch with us. Um, but yeah, I think most of what you want to find is, is probably out there. Don't be afraid to reach out to us.
1: And we're going to have all that information, um, in the show notes. So uh, if you guys are driving or your pencil's not sharp, uh, please don't fret and just go to the show notes and, uh, you can click those links and, and, uh, find these guys because I think what you guys are doing is number one, no one really thinks about the technology till technology doesn't work. Right. And I, I think you right. guys are kind of leaning forward on that. Uh, and and, and I want to say thank you for doing what you guys are doing, especially since, you know, it's all, all volunteer work. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing the story because I think that that in itself is, is huge to us.
1: All right. So this is the toughest question. What are you reading right now?
0: Oh, (laughs) sadly, I'm reading sit reps day after day after day. Um, yeah, I probably should have been prepared for this, but uh, you know, I'd, I'd started a I'd started a book not long ago, and I, I'm going to totally mess up the title if I tell you. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Hall of Shame, the passive of Shame on this one.
1: That's okay. Hey, you know, the reading those sit reps, man. Those are uh, uh, those are always kind of uh, you know entertaining <laughs> in their own right. So, and you learn a lot from. Let's be honest,
0: they're, pa- they're painful, <laughs> but they are enlightening. So. <laughs>
1: Enlightening—that's the big word, right? That's the big word right there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you so, Joe. Thank you so much for your time today. I know you guys are busy and doing what you're doing. Tell all the people that are over in Puerto Rico that are working hard to keep everybody connected, that we're here, that are, we're here with them in spirit. And if you guys ever need anything, please don't feel uh, ashamed to reach out. Thank you, sir.
0: I appreciate the time. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Thank you for listening to Ian Weekly. And don't forget to subscribe at your favorite podcast player and Don't forget to check us out at sitchradio.com, the home of EM Weekly and many other podcasts.